Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hope Church, and anyone else that may be joining us today for uh, Sunday worship. Like many of you, I've been experiencing a myriad of emotions, um, ranging from just uh, depression, uh, from sometimes anxiety and panic, especially when I'm watching the news, to when I'm having my quiet time and when I'm praying, just having a sense of peace and calm that we'll get through this, that everything will be okay. And so much is happening that many of us, I believe, have forgotten that we're actually in the midst of the Lenten season, right? We've forgotten this. The 40 days, not including Sundays, that lead up to Easter. And it's supposed to be a time when we are uh, taking time to prepare our hearts and anticipate the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. But instead of focusing on these 40 days, many of us have been forced to focus on 14 days of quarantine and social distancing. We've been forced to prepare our hearts for more bad news to come every night when we watch the news and anticipating the death of many more because of the COVID-19 virus. Traditionally, many Christians, they fast and they choose to give up something for Lent. And I don't know if you had chosen this year to fast and to give up something, but whether you did or not, you are giving up many, many things now. Who knew? Who could have possibly known that we'd all be forced to give up so much during the Lent season of this year? We've given up so much due to social distancing, given up meeting together, given up going out to dinner, giving up so many things that normally we would not choose to give up. It's during challenging times like this, times where we are anxious and fearful, uh, maybe feeling lonely and uh, hopeless even, that we can turn to the Bible and particularly to the book of Psalms to bring comfort to us and to reveal God's heart to us. So that's what I want to do today. Today's message is going to come from Psalm 77, and it's titled, Comfort During Times of Trouble, from Psalm 77. Several years ago, there was a study that was done, and it was published by sociologists uh, that were working together, and they did a research project on human stress. They listed many of our common life experiences, and they evaluated these experiences and evaluated their impact on our mental and emotional well-being. They rated them according to the amount of stress that they would produce in our lives. So this stress rating was expressed in something called LCUs, um, short for Life Change Units, LCUs, Life Change Units. The bigger or worse the stress was to us, the higher the LCU. So for example, getting a divorce for these researchers equaled 73 ICUs or LCUs. Being pregnant was a stressor, stress on your body mentally and emotionally um, if you're a woman and you've been pregnant. So being pregnant also uh, was equated a 40 LCU. Remodeling your home, if your house has ever been under construction and you're trying to live through that, you understand the stress. So that was 25 LCUs. The stress of the holidays um, also rated about 13 LCUs. 
And so the list of life changes and stressors, it went on and on, and each one of them was rated and given a number of LCU. Getting married, changing jobs, um, moving, retiring, being involved in an accident, losing a loved one, or experiencing some sort of natural disaster, all these things uh, were given an LCU. Their conclusion was this, that if within one year we experience a cumulative total LCUs of more than 300, of more than 300 life change units, most people will not be able to handle it. You see, this, we as humans were not built to be able to, to um, live through such change and to survive. So I wonder, as I look at what's happening now, I wonder what the LCU would be for what we're all experiencing together with this pandemic. Quarantine, loss of job, loss of loved ones, um, economic recession, all these things for some of us, some of us may be experiencing a cumulative total of over, that exceeds 300 LCUs, not just in a year, but we're talking within a matter of weeks, right? And according to their research, this will cause either a physical, emotional, or mental breakdown for the person experiencing this. Humanly speaking, we're just not able to cope with that much change in our lives. No one likes change. Humanly speaking, that is. But heavenly speaking, our trust in God can make all the difference in the world. Everyone will experience and goes through some form of suffering, some form of pain in their lives. And the experience can either make us or break us, as you know the um, saying goes. And so when we encounter it, we have two choices. We can either one, blame and reject the God who could, who could have easily prevented it, or two, we can trust that it is part of his perfect and divine purpose, that he will be able to redeem this terrible experience. And oftentimes, real faith is produced within real pain. In Psalm 77, the psalmist shows us how anguish can lead to growth. And I want to share these um, four steps that I see in Psalm 77 that the psalmist transitions through so that he goes from despair to ultimately being able to have peace. So if you can open your Bibles or follow along here, Psalm 77. Here's step one. Step one is focusing on ourselves. It's natural that when we suffer or face difficulties, everything turns inward. And we focus, everything is about me, everything's about my problems, and about my issues and my needs. And the psalmist here is no different. Looking at verses 1 through 6, we can see this. It says, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my song in the night. My heart meditated, and my spirit asked, dot, 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 here. 
here he's uh, focusing on himself solely. And how many times did you hear the word I? If you count, this is the NIV. If you count, he says 12 times. And how many times do you hear the word me or my? It's actually six times. So in these first six verses of Psalm 77, the psalmist refers to himself a total of 18 times. He's completely preoccupied with himself. He can't see beyond his own problems, his own troubles. God, of course, cares about our suffering, and he cares about our troubles, but he's concerned with much more than that. He's also concerned with molding and shaping us. He's not just going to give us instant, instantaneous or momentary relief from it. He looks at the overall picture of our lives and how this grief or this suffering, this experience, how will it affect the whole of our lives and not just this one period or one moment. Step two that I see from the psalmist is asking questions. If you look at verses 7 through 9, the psalmist here now shifts focus. He's no longer focused on himself, but he begins to look at God. And what he sees, he does not like. He's shaken by what appears to be a failure on God's part, a failure of God's love and faithfulness. And so he throws all these questions at God. Look at verses 7 through 9. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? All these questions that are being asked from the psalmist, and I'm sure very similar to the questions that people are asking all around the world during this pandemic. Has God forgotten about compassion and mercy? In his misery, the psalmist questions the very character, the very nature of God, as some of us may be doing right now during these days. But God recognizes this as being the cries of a desperate and wounded heart. Our God is never angry over our honest questions. Even Jesus questions God the Father in his suffering. What is it that he says um, while he's on the cross? He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so in times of desperation and sorrow and suffering that we do, we lash out and we ask these questions of our God, just as the psalmist here does. And if you look, step three, continuing to look at Psalm 77, is reflecting on the past. Until this point, the psalmist has been pretty preoccupied with his troubles and with his painful situation. It seems as if God is not responding to his cries or even listening to him, that God is not responding to his prayers. But then he makes a very important decision. This is pivotal. He makes a very important decision. Let's look at verses 10 through 12. Verse 10, Then I thought, To this I will appeal, the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Beginning with verse 10 here, he begins to come out of the darkness. His attitude and his, his outlook noticeably shifts here. He's choosing to reflect on and remember the goodness of God. 
Despite his sufferings and overwhelming circumstances, which may not have changed and has not changed, and even to apparently God's silence during this time, he is choosing to reflect and remember the past and remember God's faithfulness and God's goodness. He is no longer being simply carried along by his emotions. He stops challenging and accusing God, and he opens his heart to God's answers. He opens his heart to God's comforting presence. He chooses to focus on God's power and God's faithfulness throughout history. And he gains a perspective. He gains the perspective that he needs. He begins to see his own struggles against the context of the wider picture, the greater picture of the larger work of God through history. Beyond myself, beyond my family, beyond my community, even beyond the United States and my country, what is God doing in this world with this pandemic? I know that's a question that many of us are asking. What is God doing in his story? What is this pandemic about? And what will we be able to say after it has all passed? When we remember what God has done in the past, his faithfulness to us, his goodness to us, then we can be confident of his continued faithfulness and his continued goodness in our lives. So step four is the final step. Focusing on God. Finally, we come to step four, focusing on God. Now the psalmist answers his own doubts and his own complaints with praise, listing specific things that God has done that gives him hope. And so let's look at verses 13 through 20. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters, through your footprints were not seen. Though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Remember how self-centered and very self-focused the psalmist was in the very beginning of this psalm, the, very, the first six verses of this psalm? Well, here, in great contrast, we see not once does he refer to himself. Not once do you see or hear the eyes, the me's, and the my's. His focus is on God now, and this allows him to break free from depression and self-pity and just the anxiety and all the questioning that he has. Praise is the ultimate weapon against our enemy. Taking our eyes off of ourselves, and choosing to praise God is the final step toward finding peace and comfort during all this chaos, in the midst of suffering and the midst of our grief. And these steps don't, hope, these steps don't happen overnight. It's not a uh, one, two, three, and four, and then we're done thing. It can take weeks, it can take um, months, or even years. Many psychologists, they say that due to this global pandemic, that we as a society 
are experiencing a sense of collective grief. And so this makes sense to me because I was wondering, there would be times when I would, I would kind of vacillate between um, being depressed and, and just anxious, but then being okay. And so for those of you who've ever experienced grief, you know that there's five stages of grief. And the psychologists say that these five stages of grief apply to us because of what's happening in the world with this pandemic. First is denial. As you know, when this pandemic began and we were hearing about the virus and we were seeing the news about Italy, I know that many of us were in denial. There were rumors that it was a hoax or fake news or denial that, oh, it can't happen here. This is just something that's happening in Asia. This is just something that's happening over there in Europe. There, no, it can't happen here. This denial that we had. Second um, stage is anger. Then there was the anger. Anger at um, just... Why is this happening? Anger at God, these questions. Anger at China. Anger at, um, you know, I've been even hearing in the news about uh, backlash against Asian Americans. Just finding someone to blame and just being angry about the situation that we cannot control. And the third stage is bargaining. And so we're told with social distancing that we will be able to flatten the curve. And so we start to bargain. Okay, so if I stay home, if I do this, if I do that, if I don't hoard, if I don't... We start bargaining, saying, then things will be okay. Things will be all right. And the fourth stage is sadness. I've been feeling sad because sadness over the loss, loss of celebrating anniversaries, celebrating graduations. My nephew is graduating from college. He's the only nephew I have, uh, the only grandson to my mom. And he's graduating in Florida, and we received the invitation. It'll be happening early May. Um, and it looks like we won't be able to go. I don't even know if they'll still have it, but if they do, we won't be able to go. So a sadness over missed graduations, missed events, missed shared things together, just sadness over not being able to meet physically and hug our friends and our loved ones. And then the fifth, fifth stage is acceptance. We come to an acceptance of this is our new reality, this is the new norm, and things have changed forever. No more handshakes, no more um, how we interact with people and such. The grief expert David Kessler says that there's a sixth stage of grief. And he says that sixth stage is actually meaning. He says, quote, After acceptance, we will find meaning in the hard-to-fathom events, and we will be stronger for it. Yes, and I will agree with this. As we focus on God, as we continue to look to him, we're able to move then from despair to peace, having peace with God. Let's pray. Gracious God, we come before you, Lord. Father, you know our situation. You know what we are grieving about, and you know our sufferings, God, personally and also as a community and as a nation and as a people's God. Father, you see and you are fully aware. So, Lord, just as a psalmist here in Psalm 77, God, that we move and we transition through the myriad of emotions, God, Father, that we are moving just from just bewilderment and, and anxiety and then anger and then all these things, God. Father, we pray, Lord, that we will come to you, Father, in just our deepest, deepest times of fear and anxiety. We will look to you, take our eyes off of ourselves. To you, God, we will gain confidence and that we will be comforted in knowing that you are sovereign, God. And Lord, that you see us. 
So Lord, help us and remind us, God, to keep our eyes on you, to look to you and to be focused on you, to listen to what you're telling us and what you want us to learn and what you're speaking to us, God. Help us to have an ear to hear, God, Father, as you speak to us and speak to us about this world and our part and our role in it, God. So Lord, we just thank you for your comforting presence, especially to those who are in fear and who are anxious. Father, help us to be anxious for nothing. Help us to trust in you, in your ultimate goodness, God. And we thank you in Jesus' name. 